2: Connect to
0: more. Hey there, Montana. Welcome in. Nuana is now. 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide, SWX Montana Television. Every single weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. Your one-stop shop for all things sports all around the Treasure State. If you want to find us on the radio, you already know it's 1029 ESPN. If you want to find us on television, you already know it's SWX Montana. And by the way, Chris Game coming up here in about an hour. So you're probably only gonna get to watch about an hour of this show. But if you want to listen to on the radio, you can. If you want to listen on your computer, your mobile device, you can do that anywhere as well. The stream, all you gotta do is go to the station website, 1029espn.com, click on the listen live tab. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank, Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to give us a call today or you want to text into the show, it's easy, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. Let's take a look at what we got in the show today. It is a big Big Sky Conference basketball weekend. Crazy that the season's been going since November 25th. And the conference season has been going since the first weekend of December, yet this is the first weekend that all four Division I basketball teams in the state of Montana are going to be playing at the same time. Grizz men at home against Northern Arizona, Bobcat men at home against Portland State, and then the ladies there on the road in each of those respective locations. We we will be going right here, SWX Montana, to the Grizz game at Dalberg Arena at 5. And then right after this show, I'll race on down there to go check out the Grizz, man. It's a, it's a game filled with revenge because the Grizz did drop a game in Flagstaff last year, and that kind of sparked their stumble down the stretch run. So it's a game that I know that uh, at least Travis DeKir and his staff, they really want to win. In today's show, got another new debut for you. This is going to be fun. Crystal Redpath, former Lady Grizz, as well as a freelance color commentator for the Big Sky Conference now for about half a dozen years. She's going to be joining us every Thursday. We're going to have an around Big Sky Hoops segment uh, during the 4 o'clock hour each Thursday. But today, Krista's going to be kind enough to spend about an hour with us. We're going to talk all things hoops. We're going to talk some James Harden to the Nets. Southern Utah leaving the Big Sky. Also give you a little background on Crystal, both her playing career and her uh, getting into the media. And uh, It takes a little bit of courage to do that, but she's done a great job doing all the color commentary for basketball games both around the state and also around the conference as well so we'll talk um just basketball in general changes in the game and then give you a little bit of analysis and preview on what's going to happen in the league this weekend Second hour, got a couple great guests for you. Chris Cobb, associate head coach for the University of Montana men's basketball team, is going to join us, as well as Danny Sprinkle, head coach for the Montana State men's basketball team. And then we're also going to share a little bit of our latest Grizz Greats episode. We continue to roll out our Grizz Greats 25th anniversary of Montana's 1995 national championship. And uh, this is a fun one. John Casper, who's a senior associate commissioner at the Big Sky Conference, he was a student at Montana and then a beat writer for the Missoulian. During that 1995 season, he's also from Great Falls and went to high school with Dave Dickinson. Kind of touched on from Dave Dickinson once upon a time. So uh, John had some great memories, both covered it from a student journalist and then uh, a full-time journalist perspective. But then also he covered the Grizz beat for about eight years at the Missoulian. So he had great perspective as well in terms of the uh, the precedent that that 1995 team set. But Krista's here, and we're so excited to have her. Krista Redpath, she played for the Lady Grizz, but 1995 to 2000, is yes. that right? Yep. So um, give people the lay of the land. You're from Great Falls yourself, right? So you must remember uh, the Dave Dickinson days pretty well.
3: Well, I do, actually. Dave was amazing. He's a phenomenal player, obviously, and uh, makes Great Falls proud. He's kind of a celebrity there.
0: He's a celebrity everywhere, right? He is. I always tease Dave. I say, "Ever gonna come back and coach here?" He said, "Well, what could I do that's any better than what I already did?" I said, "He said, I already at the top. I got it to stay."
3: Every level he went to, he won: high school, college, professional. Yeah, winner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He is a winner. So, um, let's start. Let's start with you. Let's start with just just your journey from Great Falls to Missoula. You came to play for Robin Selvig in the mid 1990s. What do you remember about just your decision to come to the University of Montana back then? I mean, what was kind of the reputation of Grizz and Lady Grizz basketball back then?
3: Well, special things were happening in Missoula, culture for sure, as I was growing up. And, uh, you know, being in Great Falls, uh, we're close to Missoula. But in Great Falls, the focus is really on the high schools. I mean, CMR it and, is, for and, sure. and Great Falls High just get a lot of the press. and. Um, you know, I grew up a basketball fan, started as a Boston Celtic fan young. My parents, my dad always had a game on. And yep. I would watch him play City League at the high Z, and that was really something that I'm like, I want to play this sport, and just started metal gold through middle school and high school. Um, I wouldn't say that the girls' basketball culture was extremely strong in the years that I played in Great Falls, but I had some coaches that really believed in me. Roger Hatler is probably the reason I played for the Lady Grizz. He kept the gym open so much for me. And then he left my junior year and Kathleen Howard, Kathleen McLaughlin, Howard, who's a, those are both famous Bobcat no names No question. Right Scott
0: Hattler, Rogers' son, was a all-big sky point guard on that 96 team, last Montana State team to go to the tournament. And obviously Kathleen McLaughlin during her time left Montana State, I believe, is the all-time leading scorer and rebounder in program history. She's still in the top five in both. There. So
3: people wonder, how did I go to Missoula with all these Bobcats right. all around me? Um, and my mom graduated from Montana State. So it's just an interesting um, Journey. I, I was always interested in Missoula, though, in U of M and watching what Rob was building and watching the fans really take hold of the of the games. And they were just doing some serious damage over in Missoula. So I think it was more when Missoula or when the U, U, Lady Grizz looked at me.
0: that was a no-brainer and uh, that's that's kind of how it was around the state of Montana it was definitely the draw uh, to be sure so let's talk some hoops on a national level first and foremost because I know that we both have uh, opinions on this James Harden traded to the new uh, I guess it's not even the New Jersey Nets anymore it's the Brooklyn Nets now uh, yesterday from the Houston Rockets and it definitely sent shockwaves around the entire basketball community and it's uh, been a much debated move because I think a lot of people think that this is the key to Brooklyn winning a championship when it comes to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving pairing up with James Harden. A lot of other people, like myself, think it's going to be an utter disaster. I don't think that you can play NBA games like a video game. You can't just have three Ball dominant scores and have that lead you to success. I think. I mean, they're obviously going to probably be a playoff team, but I just, I don't know. I don't think this is the path to a championship. What do you think?
3: Oh, Coulter, I completely agree with you. Um, when I when I heard this whole James Harden debacle, uh, you know, I was disappointed in how he handled his exit from Houston yeah. with trashing his teammates, and and you know, he had some disagreements with the owners. That that is separate. But the way he handled his departure with his teammates, I didn't like. Um, I agree with you that I, I think it's going to be really tough for him to fit in with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, who are, you know, Kyrie is this player that couldn't be happy with LeBron. Right. I mean, he, had to, he had to go out on his own because he didn't want to be second to LeBron. He goes to Boston and just makes a mockery of it. And I was so glad when Boston got rid of him uh-huh. and brought on Kemba Walker. But Kyrie, it's he, he, just a downer in Boston. And I I don't mean to sound so negative about him, but um, it was good riddance. So I think that individually, these players are great basketball players. For sure. Kyrie, obviously, and James Harden. But I feel the same as you. How are they going to fit together um, with their style of play? I mean, James Harden doesn't make anyone around him better.
0: Right. He needs to be an isolation scorer. The thing is, he had the, the perfect opportunity in Houston for a couple years and then Houston got out over their skis. Daryl Morey, the general manager, he thought that the key was to add other superstars. And if you do, they can't be ball-dominant superstars. Chris Paul standing in the corner while James Harden dribbles the ball doesn't make anybody better. Whereas Chris Paul creating, that doesn't make James Harden better either. I always thought, and, and this is this goes back to what I said yesterday on the show with Sean Rainey, I think it's crazy that nobody's built a team around Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's had to play with a ball-dominant guy his whole career. If I was a, a general manager, I'd build this thing and run the whole thing through Durant out of the high post, and you don't need these, these facilitating-type point guards or these ball-dominant-type guards. Just throw the ball to Durant and get out of the way, right? Let him being the, the focal strongest point.
3: player to me out of those three. For sure. So I, I am so intrigued by these three, and I can't wait to see how this unfolds. Obviously, my heart is with the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I love it. You know, I'm Kemba Walker. I am all in. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see how this all evolves.
0: Let's talk about how your career has evolved. That you played for Montana, nineteen ninety-five to two thousand, a ton of success. I mean, those are some of the greatest years in Lady Grizz history. I mean, the late eighties through the early two thousands, that was that was the sweet spot of an, an, an exceptional, one of the great careers in college game.
1: This league, this league, this weekend, where Kareem Hunt is going to play against Tyree Kill, both of whom have passed and involved domestic assault in one case and domestic violence in the other. And yet, like Urban Meyer, their ability to play very well or win at a high level tends to dictate the way that we view these things. After What we don't need to do is make these redemptive arcs where they're not there because if we don't see or hear about the things that are done in an effort to change and we just get quiet, time passing, And then either winning or high level play and then a return to play that's not a redemption arc that's just us doing sports that's us letting winning or losing in production dictate the way that we think about morality in a lot of these instances and so what we don't need to ever do in any of these processes is make it about redemption unless we see signs of progress signs of real change that happen but we're rarely ever given those whether it's hearing about them firsthand or seeing them actually play out in front of us god forbid Yeah, and I think that's a great point because, you know, opportunity does not come equally. And that's one thing that has been highlighted in this year, this past year, making sure that we're moving towards equal opportunities for all. And now, obviously, he has the resume when it comes to football to make that opportunity materialize quicker. And a lot of people see that winning record and say, why wouldn't you want to associate with that? But like you said, those past transgressions, we haven't seen anything as of yet because there's been a hiatus in between. but media has always been where my heart is, too. And
3: um, John Casper took a risk on me six years ago and called me up and said, hey, Krista, would you work the tournament in Missoula, which is the last year that Mond- w- where it was a host city. Um, or excuse me, it was the last year that a regular uh, conference championship right. team hosted. And so I called that tournament. And apparently I did OK because he asked me back. And now I'm going into my seventh tournament calling the Big Sky Conference tournament. And what I love about that is being able to follow the teams from start to finish. And I've gotten to know these coaches and players and systems, and I feel really embedded in that. And you learn about their cultures and you learn lots of different things about these programs and what makes them tick. And the winning culture, that side of it that I came right into at Montana. I mean, it was was at a top level when I came, you know, my senior year of high school, I remember coming over with Kathleen Howard, my coach and Mm -hmm. my dad. And we came to Dahlberg Arena and we sat and watched the Lady Grizz almost beat Tennessee in front of right. a sold out, you know, sold out crowd. One of the
0: greatest, and one of I'm the going, greatest home games in Montana history gonna, of any sport.
3: I'm going to play here. Right. Is this possible? Totally. Um, and so I came into that and winning culture was always there. You know, I had strong leadership. So it's been fascinating to watch other programs and teams as they've struggled. Um, you know, some have have gone further. Some have fallen back. You know, I really have a special spot for Coach Binford over in Bozeman and mm-hmm. what she's doing. So that's been a program that I've been especially close to, and I've enjoyed calling their games.
0: At, I mean, Lady Grizz were, were a top 20 program the year you were coming out of high school. I mean, I think yeah. they finished the season ranked, what, 17th in the yep. country that year? Yeah. So um, – T- t- tell us about the landscape of the Big Sky back then, because the league was distinctly different both in membership and uh, just stylistically and everything. I mean, Boise State was still in the league. You mentioned Coach Binford. She was she is just wrapping up her career as a star player there. Montana right. had had some of its great players in the history of the program, including Shannon Kate, had just graduated a couple mm-hmm. years earlier. Um, but, I mean, what do you remember just about the landscape of the league, maybe then in comparison to what it is now?
3: Well, Idaho was also on their way out. So, uh, you know, and some new programs were on their way in. Cal State Northridge and Sac State were coming in when I started playing. And uh, Cal State Northridge came right on the scene and they were strong. I mean, they actually won the tournament the year that we had all those injuries for Mm -hmm. Montana. There were a few of us that... Had a lot of, I blew my knee twice. That Monroe was
0: the Cooper. year that you guys were playing at Sentinel, right? Yes. That That's the just... year that Rob always says was the only year I, that was a down year because we had so many injuries and we were playing in, not at our home arena and it was just a weird year.
3: Right. And Cal State Northridge really came in and uh, commanded their presence and then we ended up beating them the next year in the tournament. But they changed the dynamic in the conference and became leaders right away. Um, I would also say the rivalry with Montana State was always big. I mean, sure. it was players from the state or players that were from out of state that were very invested in the state. Mm-hmm. So that rivalry was really big. I know that Idaho and Montana was a big rivalry, but they, like I said, they were on their way out of the conference. Sure. So that whole dynamic was changing.
0: And Montana State was coming off of uh, some of their greatest successes in the pre-Trisha Benford era as well, right? Cass I mean, Bauer. Yeah, Cass, you argue with that? Cass I mean, Bauer, Blythe Thomas. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they went to the tournament. Ninety-one, ninety-two. So yes. uh, the, the league was incredibly powerful then. And I, I believe that ninety-four, right? I think it was the last time there was two teams from the Big Sky Conference that made it to the NCAA tournament, right? Because Boise State and Montana both made it that year. Yes,
3: yes. And so Coach Benford was a senior when I was a freshman, so I did right. get a chance to play against her. Yeah, because then,
0: she, then I, that's right. Because Trish had had her, a knee injury as well, right? They gave her that extra year, yes. right?
3: And then she ended up playing. um you know she's had a successful career in the WNBA she played with Greta Koss down for the Mm -hmm. Utah Stars I still
0: have Greta Koss's autograph
3: oh Greta that's a great autograph I
0: (laughs) I know I remember when she played for for the Utah Stars I still have a card with her autograph on it and everything
3: well I have to say one great story when I went down there to watch her play everyone thought I was her sister so I just was like in heaven (laughs)
0: that's amazing I
3: I am looked at as Greta Koss's sister there's I'm doing something right
0: Nuana's Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. Krista Redpath joining me in studio. She'll be here for the whole first hour today, and then we're sending you right to the University of Montana men's basketball game against NAU. Uh, but Crystal will be joining me every Thursday for uh, around the Big Sky Conference and Women's Basketball segment as well. We'll get to that here Oh, in about 25-30 minutes. Um, but I want to keep talking about some of the, the Lady Grizz stories of the past. So um, how many times did you guys go to the NCAA tournament when you were playing?
3: I went four times. All four times? Yes. And this
0: is the most amazing stat of, of Robin Selvig's career. Every young lady that played for him from 1978 till 2016 went to the NCAA tournament at least once. I know,
3: that's just phenomenal. That's
0: amazing. I've mean, talking about a recruiting advantage when you can guarantee that you're going to go to the tournament at least once. I mean, most programs would die to go just once, period, let alone go uh, 21 times like Robin Selvig did.
3: Dominating.
0: So what do you remember about the NCAA tournament? Who were your draws? What Who well, are the teams that you played?
3: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. The Big Sky, uh, you know, it's hard to get the top teams to come into Missoula. So that was always a struggle is playing the ranked teams. And how it worked when I played is if you were, you did get a chance to play a team that was ranked, you had to knock them off. Right. Because our conference wasn't necessarily so strong sure. in the RPI or ranking wise when Boise, when... Boise State made their exit. Right. Um, that uh, you had to knock someone off that was ranked in order to get looked at for the NCAA tournament and get a decent draw. Um, my sophomore year, we were a number nine seed against Texas Tech, and we played down at Stanford and we lost by one, and that was gut wrenching. Who did
0: Texas Tech have then?
3: Um, they, oh,
0: they have some great players.
3: Oh. Geez, that's a good question. I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm, um, maybe
0: I'm thinking of Louisiana Tech because didn't Cheryl Swoops well, make an did, appearance last upon time?
3: Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I can't exactly remember okay, every person okay. that, yeah.
0: Who, who else did you guys play in the tournament?
3: Um, we played, um, let's see, we played uh, Florida. Wow. Um, so we had, we went down to Gainesville. Uh, we got some tough draws and then yeah. we played at Georgia. So we were uh, a number 16 my senior year, which was really tough to go play a number one. Yeah. Um, we were 12th. Uh, um my freshman year um down at alabama we played north carolina state wow so never made it to the second round and that's that's a tough one to swallow because when you you know it's one thing to make it but our program was more driven on all right we're going to win the big sky but it's to get to the ncaa tournament and make a splash
0: it is so tough because so much of it does come from seeding too and I, that's one thing that changed so drastically in women's basketball, when the assembly tournament first came about in the early 1980s, it was new, more neutral sites. And then by the time the 90s rolled around, it was a lot more uh, host sites that were catered towards teams that drew really well. Missoula did benefit from it occasionally by being able to host regions, tournament yep. sites every yep. once in a while. But and it remains now. I mean, now it's just basically if you're a top three seed, you're getting home games. Right. Yeah, like last time Montana State went, they had to play Kelsey Plum on her home court at the University of Washington. That's a bummer. You know, we've seen some draws where you know, you're playing Oregon State in Corvallis. You know, it's it's right, a right. it's a bona fide home game. So, why, I mean, what do you think of the evolution? Because I understand why they're doing it. They want big crowds and they want the tournament experience. But also, it seems just like if you get a bad draw, the stratification. In Division One women's basketball, seems like it's so profound, right? Like the top tier teams are so—they have so many more resources and so so much more talent right, than and even. They've stayed the, at the top, and right, they have the
3: recruiting right. dollars, and they've got the money, and they've been able to keep the top kids in the country. I think what makes the Big Sky unique is they recruit regionally. I mean, the Big Sky is spread out all over the place, Please. which.
0: Different states. Exactly.
3: It's just really spread out. And even when I played at Montana uh, for Rob, uh, he primarily recruited in the state in the Northwest. So we had a lot of kids that were in, you know, basically the recruiting was in that, that area.
0: And that's one of the definitive advantages of University of Montana for a long time, right? Because there was a lot of girls that were maybe superior to this level of talent, but they were from Montana and they dreamed about being Lady Grizz. Right. And all of a sudden you're getting, you know, a lot, of, a lot of young ladies that probably could have gone employed played in the Pac-12.
3: Right. I'm a huge fan of having the Big Sky Conference regular season team host the tournament uh-huh. because of the community involvement. Right. I mean, I look at it, of course, through different lens, you know, rose, rose-colored lenses is what <laughs> people tell me because sure. I won so many tournaments. Um, that, you, know, you always had it in Missoula. It's like, well, no, we didn't just have it. We earned it. Sure. Right. But you look at the crowds we played for and you can't tell me. The other Big Sky schools, Colter, didn't like coming in here to play in front of people. No question. And that part has been tough as the Big Sky has transitioned into making it more neutral, more about the conference, and Mm -hmm. trying to get fan support. Obviously, COVID is not helping right now. Of course, right. We're trying to push fans into Boise. And Boise was a great environment. So I would encourage once COVID does release, um, you know, we get this vaccine going, that, uh, you know, you do make the trip down to Boise because I hope that the tournament stays there. Um, I think that what they're trying to do is have every team have that experience of being a part of a tournament. right. So every team makes it, right? And it's a neutral site. and it's it's been interesting to see uh, the dynamics that come about with that neutral site.
0: From a broad level and a national level, what do you think of the parity or lack thereof at the national level? Do you know has answered a lot of questions about this because there's been some some scrutiny and, and some people that have propped him up too. And so there's kind of two sides to the argument, right, is the fact that UConn has dominated at the level that they have. On one hand, they're in the news all the time. They're, they're on Sports Center all the time. They, you know, they, they're getting so much uh, credit, so many accolades, some of their best players, the Maya Moores and Brianna Stewart's of the world, I mean, they've become bona fide superstars. I mean, th- those those gals are are, for, are on par w- with other famous athletes in other sports. But on the other hand, it seems as if how do you ever catch a UConn? Now now they've won so many national championships. They have right. so much tradition. I mean, do you know Oriyama literally can recruit girls that would probably be all-conference players at every single conference in the country, and they go to UConn and are backups for a couple of years before they even get their shot. Right. So, it, it, I mean... Bradley, is it good for women's basketball?
3: You know, that's a really tough question because I do think UConn has done a lot for the game. For sure, and I, I feel like the, the you know social media and the instant access to information, be able to watch these players have a lot of success and what they brought to the WNBA. So I, I'm not really quick to judge the UConn's. I think that it's tough right now, given the parameters that the NCAA has the schools working on with the home in a ways and having enough money to pay for some of these schools to come in. Right. And I think that's getting harder. So scheduling to me has become, there's been more of a wider gap. Um, you know, you look back at Cami Etheridge's team where she, Northern Colorado, Colorado, yeah. a, a excellent, you know, example. Um, she really scheduled up. That's tough. It is mean, tough. She's, she scheduled up and they ended up, you know, I, I have some notes here. I think that they ended up beating DePaul In 2018, they beat LSU, they beat BYU, and then they, um, Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac. they ended up losing, but they went to the second round of the tournament. So I think if you don't have coaches with that mentality where they're willing to schedule up to give themselves a shot for a better seed within the NCAA tournament, which Northern Colorado was a 10 that year, that's the best seed since we were a nine my sophomore year. Totally. Um, But if you don't have coaches that have that kind of attitude, I think that's what hurts the rest of the basketball scene within Division One basketball,
0: and, and it is so hard too because I think that Montana was a victim of its own success to a certain extent. Because like you talked about that Tennessee game, we haven't seen an opponent of that caliber come to Missoula in a long time. But I think part of it is because it's such a it's such a risk. Oh,
3: it's such a risk for Hunter. the
0: for the big schools. You know why? If you're a top five program, why would you go play in front of 7,500 people in Missoula? Right. Right.
3: Right. Definitely. I I do think that was a risk. It was really hard to get those home teams to you know the home and aways. Uh, we beat Western Kentucky my freshman year. They were 14th in the nation. Wow! We had a home and away with them. And we built beat them on their home court. Mm-hmm. It was so sweet. And uh, we beat Colorado when they were ranked, I think, 11th in the country at a Rice tournament. Right. So oftentimes, Coach Selvig would try to get us in front of ranked teams and then try to get them back to Missoula. Right. But you're absolutely right. Why would you go up there and play at such a risk?
0: And when it comes to the schedule, sometimes it's all about connections. But then sometimes maybe you reach this point, like the University of Montana men's basketball team is in this. Really tenuous spot right now because you know Travis Dekeer, he knocked off Boise State his very first home game here seven years ago. They have taken Gonzaga down to the wire. They've been in the mix with certain teams, but now they can't ever get a home and home. They can only get the money game on the road at USC on the road at Georgia. And those are so hard to yeah. go win, especially at the top level of, of men's basketball. And I, you know everybody asks me how do you get back to the point that the men's Grizz were at when they had Larry Kristoviak and, and they drew the 12 seed. Well, mm-hmm. coach Kristoviak had such great ties within the industry. Mike Montgomery was still at Stanford. If Mike Montgomery was still in the coaching game in the college level, I bet you he would play a home and home with coach Dakir because mm-hmm. Mike has ties here, but maybe his administration wouldn't let him. I don't know. But, Stanford came here twice when Larry Kostoviak was right. – that, that's a far cry. You're not seeing Stanford go to a Big Sky school ever again. At least there's – you're not going to have Power Fives playing at Big Sky schools. And so it is. It's such an uphill battle. How do you get – Wisconsin-Milwaukee, when Bruce Pearl was the head coach there, they came to Missoula. Yeah, and,
3: it is so much relationship, though. You're right. It These is. coaches and their relationships and where they can get their team positioned.
0: And, I, you know, Coach Benford has done a great job with it at Montana State because like, they've had this home-on-home with South Dakota State lately. Yes. Th- th- those are the type of games that you got to get. But then it's it's way more easier said than done, though. I just don't know how you go about getting the home and home. You can go play them. Right. And sometimes you can get them to come visit you. But I it's it is. I I, I do not envy the coaches for their scheduling. It is Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula statewide, SWX Montana Television. Crystal Redpath joining me, Coulter Nuanas. In studio, we're going to get into a little bit about just the Big Sky game broadly. We talked some scheduling stuff here, but just the way that women's basketball has changed, and the way that basketball itself has changed over the last couple of years, and maybe a little bit about Southern Utah leaving the Big Sky, leaving the Big Sky Conference as well. Stick it right here, one hundred two ninety ESPN, Missoula, Stay wide. SWX Montana Television. to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one beaker per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing and tell them is Now sent you. Are you a music person? What kind of music do you like?
3: What's your, what's your
0: style? Oh, man, I like all sorts of music. But you will learn that this show is about, let's say, 89% sports and about 10% music. Right. We do have great sister stations, the Trail and the U, and uh, we got Reese back here killing it on the DJ board, so uh, we will always have great music on this show, to be sure. It is Nuana's on now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. If you want to follow us on social media, Facebook backslash ESPN Missoula, that's probably the best and uh, most efficient way to do it. They say 82% of Americans spend two hours a day on Facebook. I can't believe that. If you are i don't know i don't i'm not gonna <laughs> seems op- like an
3: awful, an awful lot of time that's an awful
0: lot of time spend an hour and a half and read a book for 30 minutes i promise but regardless we're on facebook you can find all sorts of information on facebook all sorts of great giveaways by the way we're gonna have a great giveaway for you at the end of our next segment as well brand new sponsor on the show pangea downtown restaurant great place one of the best happy hours in town four to five 30 every single day that they're open half off house wines all well drinks All draft beers, including local drafts like Big Sky, Byron, and Kettle House. And half off all appetizers. I never heard of a place that has happy hour every single day. That's pretty darn good. But they will be the proud presenters of Krista Redpath's new segment around Big Sky Conference women's basketball. Krista Redpath, former Lady Grizz, and Big Sky Conference color commentator joining me in studio. This will be a Thursday thing. She's kind enough to join us for the whole first hour today. And we'll be doing about 20-25 minutes breaking down the women's league every Thursday It's nice when it gets into the conference play because we have a little bit more um, solidification in the schedule. It'll almost always be Thursday and Saturday games, so we can kind of give you a look and a lay of the land. So we'll be able to get into a little bit more of that here about, oh, I'd say 12, 15 minutes. But we're going to keep talking about just basketball in general. And so, Krista, we talked about your career at the beginning of the show. And um, in your mind, though, playing for Robin Selvig, when you were playing – and then you started watching as a fan, and then you started covering it from a media level. How much—was it different in stylistically, or, or, or was Selvig's style kind of uh, r- relatively unchanged?
3: Well, we've always just had the same system at Montana, honestly. I mean, it's been—it's uh, the same exact offense and plays and zone and man. So I, I don't know if necessarily the system would change under Rob. The personnel did. And, and, you know, some years you'd have great three-point shooters. I mean, I think the three-point shot obviously changed the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, But I think, you know, Rob was good at, one amazing thing that Rob was good at is putting people in the position where they could excel. And he would find players and he would see something in them even in high school and say, okay, that'll fit my system and this is where. I mean, when I first got to campus, he immediately worked with me and said, you gotta develop a jump hook or you're gonna get blocked every single time. Right. And he helped me with that. He changed my shot. He brought my shot up a little bit, made a couple adjustments. Um, And so there's various pieces that he was able to put together in a puzzle to put people in the right position. So I don't think Montana's system changed. I do think that women's hoops, had, you know, more resources with trainers and there was a lot more um, weightlifting and training coaches and various pieces that helped in the Mm non-conference. And I think where that comes into play, Coulter, is I do think there were a lot of injuries in overtraining, sure. I mean, I know I blew my knee twice, right. and I, you know, Megan Harrington, my good friend and teammate, we would mm-hmm. play basketball and then we would go run the M. It's like that's not good for your knee, and so right. the trainers and, and it have come into the game and really changed the way women train. Their bodies are different from the male body, mm-hmm. and so I think that that's really helped. And the game has hit more of a national stage. Sure. I think people really enjoy watching the women's game. It's different from the men because you can't just jump up and dunk the ball. right? So there's something that's really special about watching authentic basketball where you have to pass and catch. You have to play fundamental basketball because you can't jump up and dunk it.
0: One of the most fun parts about the neutral site tournaments now, and I know that there's a lot of uh, polarization over them, particularly for our core audience, I mean, Montana people all around the state of Montana, there's been so many great teams, particularly from the University of Montana, but even recently at Montana State, particularly the women, that they either miss the hosting of the tournament or they feel bad that they're, they don't get a chance to host like Montana State. I mean, they, could, they would have hosted three times in the last five years. Um, but but that's here nor there. I, I just I think that... Um, I think that the th- the way that the women's game has redefined itself so much is exactly what you're talking about the execution element, the offensive execution element. but one of the most fun parts about the neutral site, is you do get to interact with so many people from around the league. And so, like last great. year, it's great. great. It's great. And, and the uh, the women's game has been on a different day than the men's. A lot of times, the men's coaches will be there hanging out, watching their their school, supporting. But I got a chance to talk with or to sit with Danny Sprinkle during a game last year during a Bobcat women's game. And uh, Coach Sprinkle was preparing to play Portland State the next day. Unbeknownst to him, the thing wasn't going to happen because the tournament got called off before <laughs> that. But uh, he was he was teasing. First of all, he said, "I need to get Darian White to come play for me because right. Portland State presses, and she's gonna be the best guard I could find." Gosh,
3: I love that. Press, you Danny's know, bra- awesome. breaking
0: the press. But then he was also he was teasing, but he was being serious. He said, "We were. I think this is actually before State was playing because I remember Darian walked by and Sprinkle even went and tried to go recruit her." Yeah. But uh, but and by the way, Danny Sprinkle will be joining us in the second hour as well as part of our Coach's corner. But he was saying he was teasing with me. He was saying. If I could get my team, I think we were watching Idaho, and John Newley has such great actions, and you know they, they execute, especially when they had Taylor Pearson and Michaela Friends, they executed at an unbelievably high level. Right. But Sprinkle was saying, Man, if I could get my guys to execute like this, he said. In in men's basketball, you're two passes and then dribble, drive. Somebody's going to do something, and 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 a lot of times you don't get all the way through. You don't get to the second side, as Coach Binford always so true. says.
3: Reverse the ball. And reverse I mean, the ball. I, it's so true that you know you see the difference between the men and the women's game, where you do have you know that eagerness to just go make a play, go up and be that you know that hero, that showboat a little bit, and that doesn't happen. And you find that the women's teams that do end up winning, at least in the Big Sky, are very disciplined for sure. And they 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 have the ability to make give up a a good shot for a great shot and make that extra pass. That's a great point. It's one
0: of the things that infuriates me about watching the men's game so much is because just because you can create your own shot, it doesn't mean it's a good shot. (laughs) This is where we talked James Harden in the first segment. This is where James Harden has changed the game for the worse. Because James Harden, he takes and makes so many bad shots. He makes them a lot of times, so you can't you can't kill the guy too hard. I mean, he's one of the greatest scorers in the history of basketball. There's no question. But he takes and makes so many bad well, shots.
3: You have to look back at the era, like I mean. Boston Celtics when I was growing up. I mean, you look at like Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, you know, Larry Bird, you know, that whole group of players, they played such team basketball. Now I know that's changed in the NBA because it's more about money and it's building these like superpower teams. But isn't basketball a beautiful thing when you can play good basketball with teammates and uh, share the ball and make each other look better? I mean,
0: who is statistically... By all the measures of analytics and and as well as the the most winning team in NBA history. It's the Golden State Warriors before they got Kevin Durant. And that team was absolutely the art of the beautiful game. They
3: didn't need Kevin Durant.
0: Exactly. In fact, I believe that they got worse. That sounds crazy (laughs) that you add the finals MVP. And they they lost the championship series to LeBron and Kyrie that year. And they won it the next year, and Kevin Durant was the Finals MVP. So it sounds ridiculous to say that they got worse. But in terms of just the overall aesthetic appeal, mm-hmm. the, the the first couple Steve Kerr Warriors teams, to me, is quintessential beautiful basketball. It's as good as it gets. The way they move the ball, the way that they could play. The, the, the best part to me is that they had superstars that could play on the ball and off the ball. That's the brilliance of Steph Curry, right? I mean, he's one of the best point guards in NBA history, but he's also one of the best off-ball guards right when the power forward can get the rebound instigate the offense and then this guy can move off the ball i mean i don't know I, I i digress but i just i always thought those warriors teams were they were quintessential beautiful basketball and i wish that more people embraced that style right and that's where the women's games at right
3: well that's what i think i mean that's why i really enjoy it and i mean obviously i played it so i mean i i really do enjoy that and i think there's a lot of people that do Coulter. i mean mm-hmm. missoula has a lot of women's basketball fans oh, it's phenomenal time. here and one thing I've noticed, you know, I played for the Lady Grizz 1995 to 2000. I still get treated like I played yesterday. I mean, the for fans sure. come up to me in the grocery store. They see me on TV calling a game or they, you know, they, they they treat you like you're always the Lady Grizz. And it's a real family atmosphere anyway. But I do think that women's basketball fans, I mean, Montana State is on the rise. Mm-hmm. Their attendance has been high. Huge. It's yep. it's increasing every year and i think a lot more families are choosing to you know come to watch women's basketball for entertainment
0: when you watch games in the big sky montana and montana state or otherwise do the athletes look the same where, where are the athletes at because i think that it's natural it's human nature to think that everything is getting better perpetually especially in sports but i don't know if that's necessarily true because well, there were some great athletes in the big sky even in the, the the origins of the conference in the 80s
3: yeah i mean i i grew up A basketball player. I didn't grow up a weightlifter. I didn't come to to U of M to lift weights. Uh, And so I think a lot of our basketball that I played Coulter was unscripted on the blacktop out by Sentinel with high school kids. um, Or we'd get a list of players that would play pickup with us. Mm -hmm. It was all about basketball. I do think that that's changed now. It's, you know, you can actually come to school in the summer for summer school and have the university pay. Coaches have access to players. There's a lot more controlled and regimented training training that goes into preparation for the basketball season and that's changed
0: the overall so physical strength do you think that's the biggest difference um,
3: I, I I think that there is there is some physicality differences but I I don't know I don't, I don't want to say that in terms of how it's just like the female body has changed I just think that there's been more access to other training sure
0: sure yeah. sure sure what, what, the, the one thing that's changed in all sports is, is this, the way that you can scout and the prevalence of scouting because of the influx of technology. Like You see in football now, I mean, even just at FCS programs, every guy's got an iPad, the film's getting uploaded right away. You can watch as much film as you want. You don't got to go to the coach's office. You can just have right. it and right there on your couch. And
3: AAU teams, I mean, there's tons sure. more of that. So, I mean, if we wanted to talk about one way the game has shifted, there's just so much more opportunity now for, sure. for kids to play. I mean, I'm, I'm coaching and as assistant coach to my son's seventh grade travel team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's getting 30 games a year. in. when I was playing at that age, I'm playing eight metal gold games. Right, right. Um, so when you look at that and it's just one month out of the year compared to, you know, playing year round and we're traveling for tournaments, you, some of that you wonder if there's burnout, but then you also think what an opportunity for kids that love the game. So I think you've seen a lot more of that and you've, you've seen more increase of play.
0: The club perspective, the AAU perspective it comes with a lot of vitriol on the men's side because that's been the part that's been infiltrated the most from some of the dark parts of college basketball, whether it's the, you know the agents or the handlers or the shoe companies or whatever it might be. And then there's also the, the omnipresent attitude of uh, you know, AAU makes it so that you're numb to losing because you might play so often. You know Some of these top guys, when they're in high school... They might play seven AAU games in a day, so who cares if you lose? You're just gonna run it back. I mean, these guys are playing hundreds of games a year, even more than an NBA schedule. But is that is that prevalent in the women's game too, or or not so much? And it seems like, regardless of if it is prevalent or not, it seems as if it's um, it's a little bit more. It, it's it, scripted
3: it, the game more though, because sure. I think that you know kids are more coached now than they ever were. You you don't see kids out shooting in the driveways as much anymore. But is
0: that a good thing, right?
3: You know, I th- I think it's the game has changed. I think it can be. Um, I
0: think it's good in terms of overall fundamental development, but maybe bad in terms of the the part that makes basketball so great, well, which I mean, is the, th- the improvisation is the part that yeah, makes basketball so great, right?
3: I truly fell in love with basketball when I was like nine years old, and it wasn't because Um, my parents were telling me, you know, scheduling practices and workouts for me. It was because I was watching the Boston Celtics or watching my dad play Mm -hmm, city league. And mm -hmm. I was like, I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I fell in love with it also because I was bored a lot. And the only thing I had to do was go out and take my rubber Larry Bird basketball and shoot in my slanted driveway. Right. So no one was entertaining me. Parents weren't. Um, rearranging their schedules to, to make sure that they were taking me to all these places. And so the, the focus has changed. I do think it's given kids more opportunity and more exposure. Uh, but it's also like, what is this recruiting process happen? What's happened to it? Because right. it is all about, you know, being seen now versus being one of the better high school players and being noticed from a high school game.
0: Yeah, no, no question. No question. We could do an entire show on. We should. On, we should, on, on boredom. In America and how necessary oh. it is and why you should let your kids be bored. I don't even have kids. This is just me preaching to nobody in particular, but boredom is key. You learn how to write. You learn how to play basketball. You learn how to talk on the radio, all sorts of different things. We got to get out because we're about to debut our new segment around Big Sky Women's Basketball with the one and only Chris of Redpath. We live in this great state, so you can enjoy it. And if you're a business owner, you know how hard you work, sometimes at the expense of your own free time. Kristen knows that well. That's where Black Bookkeeping and Consulting comes in. Uh, Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services is a virtual bookkeeper that helps small businesses organize and maintain and grow, which helps you keep your business running smoothly. And it gives you more time to do what you love. Right now, receive 50% off cleaning up your 2020 books if you sign up by January 31st. Visit blackbookkeeping.com for a free schedule consultation today. Around the Big Sky Women's Basketball League with Chris Redpath right after this.
2: to
1: more. Angry, just is a
0: We're just coming up with all sorts of new stuff for you people out there. You're welcome. But also, thank you so much for listening. Nuana's is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide, SWX Montana Television. If you want to find us on the Twitters, Krista has the Twitters. I do. At at 102.90 ESPN, at Skyline Sports MT, what's your Twitter handle?
3: Krista Redpath.
0: That's easy. Krista, K-R-I-S-T-A, Redpath just like it sounds. Krista Redpath is joining me in studio. She is our Women's Basketball Big Sky Conference expert. She's been doing color commentary for the Big Sky Conference about half a dozen years. Uh, Probably people around Missoula remember her as well for her time with the Lady Grizz. And it is now time for what we'll be doing every Thursday, between about 4.15 and 4.45 every Thursday, from here until the end of the Big Sky uh, Basketball Tournament. We're going to have it around the Big Sky and women's basketball with Krista Redpath talking about the league at large, focusing on the Montana schools for you great people in the state of Montana, but also giving a look at some of the other schools around the league. It is presented by Pangia. Pangea is an awesome new restaurant in downtown Missoula. We've had a couple oh, meals a there. Great food there. The Brussels sprouts, get them for the app, I promise. All the curries, really oh, the good. the curry
3: bowls, yes. The soups. So, soup, I, had just,
0: the, I had the soup the other day. It was great.
3: Great spot, you know, owned by Skyla Cisco. Former Lady know, Grizz. Former Lady Grizz. And it's just, it's such a good feeling down there.
0: Pangia is open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. till 10 p.m. right now. We'll see. The governor was uh, doing some stuff yesterday. We're not going to get into the politics of it all, but we might have some new rule changes. But for now, uh, Sundays and Mondays, Pangea is closed. But Tuesday through Saturday, they're open. They have a happy hour every single day that they're open. That's amazing, 4 to 5.30. They also have a ladies' night going on on Wednesdays, 5.30 to close. It's half off their entire craft cocktail menu, and they're quickly becoming known for their exceptional craft cocktail. So next Wednesday, go check out ladies' night at Pangea. Krista, the Women's Basketball League in the Big Sky Conference, it was fascinating because it's funny how trends, even if they aren't connected to each other, sometimes encompass multiple programs. Last year, a lot of the most stable programs in the league had really young teams. Uh, Idaho had a young team. I think that just uh, just the older... Lizzie Clicker was the only senior on that team. Um, Idaho State, their lone senior, Estefania Ores got hurt. Uh, so she was out. She, was she at, missed seven. Yeah,
3: she missed the whole season.
0: Most of the season. Yeah. She was able to get a medical red shirt, so she is back. Um but then Montana State, they were the opposite. They were old. They had five seniors. The Lady Grizz actually were, were one of the older teams in the league, two or three seniors. And then NAU, by and large, was, was pretty darn young, too. Not a lot of seniors there. So you're talking about a lot of the teams that were in the top five, six were pretty young. Well, now most of those teams now are pretty old. You look at Idaho State now, they – have a bunch of seniors Idaho now has a, a bunch of really strong juniors and seniors and now Montana state I think they're I believe that the metric is they're the youngest team in the country they have six true freshmen in their rotation uh, so just talk about the complexion of the league I mean it, it seems as if the, the it's sort of this pendulum that swings back and forth
3: well I, I do think that teams have their you know cyclical structures of ages where you do have the older veteran leaders that have earned their minutes and you look at Montana state last year I mean having Fallon free Madeline Smith Blair Braxton uh, in in Martha Cooter, uh, you know, and Oleana Squires. I mean, when you look at that, it's like those kids deserve the minutes and they For deserve sure. to be there. So how is coach Benford possibly going to play some of her younger kids mm-hmm. when she's got that type of a roster? So I think she had to pick and choose where she could she fit players in to try to develop, which she did a great job of, because I do feel like Darian White, obviously what a, just an amazing player. She turned out to be. Oh,
0: wait, what's your take on Darry Wright? Because to me oh. to me, there's a lot of great players in the Big Sky conference right now. I think Darry Wright is the single best individual talent in the Big Sky. Right. Well, now.
3: she's she's a great kid for one, too. So I have to I have to give that plug. She is. Uh but no, I do think that she sees the floor so well. She attacks. Um, she's also a good defender. I mean,
0: she's an outstanding defender. She, she's one of the best on like man-to-man defenders I've seen.
3: Right, and she's such a good uh, combination with Tori Martel this year. I mean, Tori Martel, Martel is more of a spot-up three-point shooter, and Darian likes that dribble penetration and either take it all the way to the hole or look for Tori to dump it off, and I think that that duo has been a lot of fun to watch. But Darian, I mean, she just came into the scene and just commanded a presence. With As a freshman, it was fascinating to me last year to watch that because Coach Benford, I mean, she was a very good point guard. For sure. She, she really relies on that point guard position to be the floor general out there and to get a kid like Darian to come in and to be able to work with those veterans mm-hmm. and mesh like that. Uh, last year was just a dream season for MSU, and it was so sad that we got that far. So <laughs>
0: sad. I and, know.
3: and then it was like, we're all in this bubble together. Can we just please have this last game? Right. Uh, Montana State and Idaho, we were all there, and it, it, was, just, it was tough.
0: It, it was tough, particularly because it wasn't just a great team. It was perhaps the greatest team in their school's history. And so to not be able to finish the deal, I mean, for those young ladies to win 19 league games, oh. win 25 overall games and not be able to go to the NCAA tournament or at least even punch a ticket, even if the NCAA tournament doesn't have it, at least let them win the big sky trophy and have the banner. Right That
3: morning when it was called off, I was sitting <laughs> in my hotel room. Oh, it was I'm, terrible. I'm getting ready to write my feature on Blair Braxton, mm-hmm. who I felt like just changed momentum for that cat team and came in at different times. It just was such an awesome leader. And I was getting ready to write my, you know, my entire intro with Jenny Kavnar on Blair Braxton. And and then we got the news and it it, it just was crushing. It was really hard.
2: It
0: it, it was really hard. It it was terrible. It is around Big Sky Women's Hoops with Crystal Redpath, presented each Thursday by Pangea. Pangea's got a barrel room. It's an awesome venue for lunch meetings, corporate meetings, etc. Reserve online at mtpangea.com. The Lady Grizz, uh, they have some veterans now that it seemed to really turn the corner. You can tell... Uh, health more than anything have been key for both Sophia Styles and Carmen G. Feller who have both been uh, returned to the form that I think a lot of people expected of them when they first signed with Lady Grizz.
3: Well, sure. I mean, people do ask me, you know, what's different about this Lady Grizz team this year? I'm like, a healthy Sophia Styles is the difference. Not
0: having uh, multiple surgeries like she's had to have the last right. couple I mean, she years.
3: She was really hurting last year with her shoulder and she was doing everything she could to be out there, uh, but they're a better team with Sophia driving the catalyst. She, she just makes others better around her She's tough off the dribble. She can also shoot. She makes players around her better. She handles pressure, and she just defends, too. I Great mean, defender. She's, she's just the complete package, and that is a a, a gym rat right there. That's sure. a kid who looks like she's played a lot of pickup basketball, and that's fun to watch.
0: It, it is fun to watch. Carmen G. Feller, too, when she was coming out of Colfax, Washington, a very heralded player, a Washington player of the year at the small school level, And she was a good contributor as a freshman. And last year, just a a horrific ankle injury that she just never really could get over. But I expected her to be good. I didn't expect her to be able to do what she's done so far. She's been able to, I mean, she's a dominant scorer. She can create her own shot at any time. She
3: is. She's a scorer. And Carmen does a really good job of of putting the ball in the hole. I do think that Abby Anderson really contributes to that. They're a good tandem. Abby is extremely athletic and versatile. And gets, you know, she pounds the glass. And I think that that also allows Carmen's game to develop. When you have two players like that that can play off of each other, it's been fun to watch.
0: You were able to go to the Lady Grizz game on Sunday against College of Idaho. I know it was... uh It was almost an exhibition feel playing at NAIA school. And I know Coach Petrino was trying to get a lot of of his players' minutes. They didn't play a lot of starters, very heavy minutes. Uh, But they did get a lot of people into the game and and a lot of rotations. Any other impressions? What what do you think of the young players on the Lady Grizz?
3: I think there's just some real spark with the young players. I mean, Kendall Keller out of Haver has just blown me away. Of course, her um, aunt, Cheryl Keller, is one of my dear friends. Mm -hmm. And we have Julianne Keller as well. So there's a a Keller family connection there. But I think... Um, Kendall's poise as a freshman of coming in and, you know, she's put herself in positions to score when they needed. I mean, Gonzaga, she played incredible Mm -hmm. against Gonzaga, but she's been a real spark and a lot of fun to watch. And uh, that's That's been fun to
0: see. Right now, Idaho State out in front. And Idaho State actually is now uh, getting not just Big Sky Conference attention, but they're getting some uh, regional attention, some national attention, as uh, a potential pre- uh, potential member of the, the top 25 at the mid-major level. They're 8-1. and one. Uh, They have that great win at Kansas State. They're 6-0 in Big Sky Conference play. Uh, Estefania Orr's coming back is a huge key, but what else have you seen? What else do you so think I've seen? So I first want to start
3: that when I took when I put together my all my all big sky team, which I I always put together. You know, we get to vote. We're not supposed to say who we put on there, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Oh, yeah, of I course put you can.
0: Stephans- we do full segments on this show. That's all. this what we're all about. We love the all coverage stuff. All right,
3: so I would give it to you. I put Estefania ors and Dora Golish on the first team. That's well, how I feel about Idaho State. Uh,
0: it's a great. It's a great story too. Uh, a lot of times you don't get the in depth stuff, but Dora Golish. At the end of a tournament game, when she was a freshman, it was like the last 10 seconds, suffered a horrific knee injury. And it was just such a terrible moment because it was in a largely empty arena. You could hear just the pain. I mean, I mean, we're, not, we're, not, we're not even going to go yes. into it. It was it was seriously, it, was it tough, made me want to throw up. I hated yeah. it. And I thought, man, this this young lady's from Croatia. She's so far from home. that She just blew that thing. There's no doubt about it. And I thought that that's it. And she's come all the way back, and then she was an all-big-sky player last she, year. She
3: comes back, and she doesn't even look like she skipped a beat. I mean, she is so tough out there. And Estefania, too, with her injury. You know, she played the first seven games last year and then had was able to get that medical red shirt. Um, but I knew. I was like, she's going to be back, and they're going to be very tough. I mean, Diaba Kanate is also a very strong guard. And talking about have-
0: player development, she, she, was, oh. uh, she was unbelievably athletic but a lot of times very sporadic and out of control last year now that she's honed that in i mean she's one of the most explosive players in the league her and daring white is going to be a fascinating yeah, matchup it, when they go really against each other
3: then you had Callie Bourne in there so you have you have a few players at idaho state and and let's be honest idaho state it's not always pretty uh they it's not really put on they really put on that defensive pressure and it is gritty those are the types of games you get out of, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I survived. But Coach Sobolewski, I mean, he has had his system, and he has stayed true to it. He is a defensive-minded coach, and he has really built his program around that. And, you know, they're at the top right now, 6-0. and However, we need to, we also need to look at the fact that the big sky has been so sporadic sure. with the COVID cancellations right. that we've got the Montana teams that have only played two games.
0: Right.
3: You know, we have part of our conference that's played just a couple games, and then we've got some that have played six. Sure. So where that comes into play is when are these teams going to peak? Right. Because you think right now in January, they're playing good basketball, but they're trying to play their best basketball at the end of February. Well, now we've got teams that are playing, they're in the middle of their conference run right right now in January. And then you have the Montana schools that have, you know, they've had so many different starts and stops. There's been cancellation and then they play two or three games and there's a cancellation. Um, You know, and then they're playing some of their non-conference foes during in January. I mean, just looking at that, those should be right. played in November. Well,
0: I, I thought Coach Bidford made a great point last time she was on this show. She said, usually you have 11 non-conference games, period. And, and there's as a, there's not a team on the men's or women's side that has played more than 11 games. So now is kind of the time that you'd normally be entering conference play. So Even if you do have conference games, that's an advantage to have them under your belt. But now, I don't think we can truly start analyzing these teams until right now, this point forward.
3: Right. All right, it's going to be really challenging, you know. And I hope I think the Big Sky Conference is hoping that every team gets twelve conference games in. Right. I mean, where we've seen you know COVID affecting every day is a gift. You're, You're just not sure if tomorrow's going to happen, especially with the testing protocol. But it also makes it really tough for scouting, for sure, and for trying to figure out your personnel. You're still trying to figure out who your kids are and which minutes are going to go where, and we're already, you know, we're we're in conference.
0: It is the Around Big Sky Women's Basketball with Krista Redpath. We'll be doing this every single Thursday in the middle of the 4 o'clock hour. So be sure to tune in. We'll give you the lay of the land. we got a whole bunch of other stuff to talk to. We hardly even got to NAU. We hardly even got to Idaho, but we will. we revisit it next week. We'll have some more games under our belts. As far as the games tonight, Lady Grizz tip at NAU at 6 p.m. tonight. You can find it on Pluto TV. And uh, the MSU women, they're at Portland State. That one starts at 8 p.m. West Coast game. Uh, so a couple good ones in the Big Sky tonight. Uh, around the Big Sky in women's basketball with Chris Redpath, presented by Pangea. Pangea. Best happy hour in town, 4 to 5.30 every day they're open. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. until 10 p.m. That might change soon. But not open Sunday, Monday, but they do have happy hour every single day. They are open, 4 to 5.30. Half off house wines, all well drinks, all draft beers, including local drafts like Big Sky, Byron, and Kettle House, as well as half off all appetizers. You can also go check out ladies' night Wednesdays from 5.30 till close, half off their entire craft cocktail menu quickly becoming known for their craft cocktails Missoula. go give pangea a try and guess what we're gonna help you go give pangea a try 406-361-3688 that's 406- 361-3688, Number two caller. Number two is going to get a twenty-five dollar gift card to go try out Pangea. Krista, this was great. Thanks so much for uh, joining us, and we will look forward so much to having you next week.
3: Thank you, Coulter. I'm really excited to be on the show. It's going to be awesome.
0: Hour one in the books. Hour two, more basketball. We're talking about men now. We're going to talk about. We're going to uh, share an interview with Chris Calp, associate men's basketball coach at the University of Montana. Also be joined by Danny Sprinkle, Montana State men's basketball coach. Nuwana is now back after this.